0: Unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. Welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, how are you doing today?
1: Nathan, I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm fantastic, and I'm excited for this week's episode because we've got, I don't want to ruin the surprise, but we've got a great surprise for the listeners this week.
1: We do, and for those of you watching on YouTube, if today's guest looks familiar to you, that might be because you've previously seen Rabbi Evan Moffick on Fox News or CNN, where he's frequently called in for commentary and analysis on events in the news. But here's something you probably didn't know. Rabbi Moffick is also a copywriter. He's a former mentoring client of mine. I'm proud of the work we did together and where he's taken it. And I got to tell you, he has found uses for what he learned in copywriting in places I've never heard of copywriting being useful before or even thought of. Evan is senior rabbi at Makam Solel Lakeside, 600 family synagogue in the Chicago suburbs, A Stanford graduate, he's also a popular speaker at churches, has written several books. And at churches, his goal is to bring the value of Jewish learnings to as many people as possible who are interested. And he's written several books, including What Every Christian Needs to Know About the Jewishness of Jesus, and What Every Christian Needs to Know About Passover. His latest book is about anti-Semitism. But today, Evan has agreed to talk about the role of copywriting inside and outside of business and religion. And I really enjoy the way he looks at copywriting, and I know you will too. I'm not nearly as confident that you'll enjoy this. Copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use what you hear in this podcast, and most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims and or if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health, finance, and business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. So, Evan, welcome and thank you so much for being here.
2: Oh, thanks, David. It is always just such a joy and pleasure to talk with you. And I learn something every time. And you know, I have been a fan and listener of the podcast really since the very beginning. So it's truly an honor to be on.
1: Longtime listener, first time caller, um, first time (laughs) honored guest. So let's jump right into copywriting, if, if you don't mind. And let's start with something everyone can instantly understand and relate to. You wrote a fundraising letter for your congregation and this was I think using principles of copywriting you'd never really used before and
2: how did that go? It went extremely well. I mean the amount of money that we brought in just exceeded anything we expected or that had happened before and it was a uh, during a a time of uh, sort of emotional ferment and I tried to use some of the principles that we had discussed and, you know, you had shared with me to really speak to people's hearts and it worked.
1: Okay. So that's an interesting thing because a lot of that's interesting, but what specifically interests me and I think would make a lot of sense to the readers, you know, we talk about the zeitgeist, the uh, overall news, the conversation, uh, what's on people's minds. I, I can't believe with all of your success before we ever met that, you weren't aware of that already and using it to some degree in all of your communications, whether at your synagogue or on TV or anything else. So what changed? How did you refine that understanding?
2: Yeah, it's, well, I think I've always kind of gotten some of the sort of core principles of copywriting, but I'm generally a left-brained person. You know, I almost became an academic, I write, I used to write, I've gotten better, but I, I tend to write in sort of academic or logical, very, just kind of build an argument and make a point and then, you know, summarize, recreate, you know, kind of prove a point. And I think what you kind of taught me and what I tried to do is speak to people's hearts and, and speak like like we talk, you know, write like we speak and start almost thinking, how would I make a an argument with someone in person, like if speaking to a friend and I want them to donate to a cause, what would I say? Would I say, you know, historically, the amount of money people have given to immigration is X, but now the needs are Y. And I wouldn't speak like that. I would speak, you know, here's the story about this person and we were able to help him and his family come and they built a life here and that, or, or reflect your own story, you know, and just taking that that I do in normally talking with people and putting that into copy, it just made a huge difference.
1: Isn't that funny because you already knew how to do it. You were already doing it naturally, but um, no knock on Stanford, it's a great school, and no knock on your rabbinical training because you went to you know one of the best or maybe the best. They didn't teach you that. You were taught, um, I read an interesting book called The Weirdest People in the World. and. WEIRD stands for Western Educated Intelligent Research. I don't remember. Very clever.
2: Very clever, yeah.
1: And it talks about how the people who've gone on to advanced education, including me, they really experience the world, think differently and communicate differently than most people in the world. But I think what copywriting does is it brings us back to most people in the world, which, you know, a, a rabbi, right? I mean, it's that's Hebrew for teacher, right? I mean, as, as a teacher, you want to reach as many people as you can with your message.
2: Totally. You know, when this really first clicked for me was almost 10 years ago. And, and you know, as a rabbi, I deliver a lot of eulogies, which I find very powerful, you know, and I uh, was officiating in a service and the eulogy was given by a, or one of the other eulogies was given by a top-notch television writer this is someone who had written for Beverly Hills, 90210 and all this. And I listened to him speak and I was wowed. I was like, this is the best eulogy I've ever heard, just the way he delivered it. And I thought to myself, just that kind of writing, and that's not exactly copywriting, but it is speaking how people speak because he's a television writer and people want to feel connected to the show. And I talked to him and asked him to kind of mentor me. Now he didn't really have time. I mean, he hadn't really ask him to mentor me, just, you know, I bounced a couple sermon ideas off of him. And it was very helpful. And I think that was the first inkling of what was possible. And then when, you know, we went really deep, it, it kind of opened many more doors, but it was kind of just a total shift from the traditional way of writing and thinking for me.
1: That's great. And I know we we both have the affliction of having had academics as parents. So you grow up in a household and every dinner is like a doctoral defense and all that, right? But let's go even broader. You talk to the world on CNN, on Fox News about usually, probably not during the happiest times, usually when there's some kind of crisis that involves religion, especially Jews. How has your perspective on human nature, I know this is a a big question So answer any part of it that you want. How has your perspective on human nature shifted as
2: a result of what you've learned in copywriting? That is a big question. And um, I'm sorry to say it's probably gotten a little bit more pessimistic. I, I, no, no, maybe pessimistic is not the word, but we're all have basic human drives, you know, greed, sex, you know, I actually, I don't want to use the word pessimistic. It's realistic. And I think that's actually, as a rabbi, one of the great things about Judaism is that Judaism always kind of saw people in their raw human form. You know, you, you there's really no saints in the Torah. People are people. And so I think copywriting, those principles kind of reminded me of that, that I'm not speaking to saints. I'm speaking to normal people who have problems, who get in trouble, who do dumb things, and that's our nature, and we do that all the time. And what a good copywriter does is kind of acknowledges that and speaks to the real person and tries to help them solve their problems or at least address those problems. Now, you know, as we talked about, you want to really believe in your product, so you're not just identifying and and exploiting people's problems to to simply to make money. Although you know, making money is a good thing. You are helping people solve their problems, and I think acknowledging that people have a lot of problems. And some of those, I remember one of the great things you taught me was looking at the National Enquirer. Now I don't know if the National Enquirer is, uh, you know, or and listening to country songs, listening to country music, those, that's another, because those kind of reflect basic human longings. And kind of that, So so that reminded me of that, that I'm not just speaking to you know, people reading philosophy at night. I'm speaking to to, to people really struggling with, with deep human problems that they don't know the answer to. Well,
1: good. And part of your job, like any member of the clergy, is counseling members of your congregation, one-on-one or maybe in couples or maybe in families. Has what you've learned about copywriting
2: made any changes to your approach about that? I think so. I think, and this is sort of somewhat counterintuitive I think it helped me become more accepting and a little bit less judgmental maybe I know that's kind of odd that studying copywriting would do that but it kind of it teaches us and, and we have you almost have to understand people's basic motivations and problems and concerns and not try to you're not you don't want to pretend people aren't who they are like if you're if you're writing an ad, and you imagine, like, so let's say you're doing a diet something and you imagine, oh, you know, these people, they absolutely can always know what the right thing to eat is, you know, or they, they, you know, no, people need help. They need guidance. They're struggling, you know? So it kind of made me a little bit more accepting, I think, of people. I think, you know, n- now looking back at at my life, I think life does that to you also, you know, as you get older, you you simply become more accepting. And I think- Good copywriters have deep emotional intelligence. And that's something that I always am striving for in in The Raven is that, you know, emotional intelligence.
1: I've never put two and two together quite that way, but you're right. Of course, we have to. Otherwise, how are we going to communicate emotionally in an effective way? So I think maybe the only other person on this podcast is he's there, you know, twiddling the knobs right now or or whatever nathan does when he's off camera but the only other person who has talked about what i'm about to bring up is nathan and if there was someone else forgive me i forgot and that is talking to your kids because kids are the what they're they're the ultimate um spiritual and emotional challenge for every parent right and you have two really smart kids and your wife is a rabbi so those kids must be very verbally adept how do you use copywriting principles when you're communicating with your
2: kids? oh boy oh that's you know it's harder It's actually so much harder talking to your kids because your own emotions get into it and you can it's easy to lose control again, I could try to kind of see things from their perspective you know to know that they let's say I'm trying to get them to go to Hebrew school you know, and uh I know they've had a long day at regular school. The last thing they want to do is get in the car and drive and, you know, go and and sit and listen to another teacher. So kind of acknowledging that's where they're coming from. Not simply saying, I did this, now you have to do this, you know, which is what some parents do. They just kind of say, this is part, and that doesn't work. And so kind of acknowledging, having a sense of empathy. Yeah, I know you're tired. I get it. This is, it's been a long day. Just let's get through this and we'll get some pizza afterwards, you know, try to, in some ways, sell it to them, say, here's the benefit, you know. Uh, and here's the bonus pizza, right? right exactly. <laughs> yeah, bonus. Exactly. So, you know, I, I think one of the things you you taught me is that definition of copywriting salesmanship in print, right? Was That was one of the early definitions. And right. in some ways, I think most of us understand, especially people listening to this podcast, that we're in sales all the time, no matter what we're doing. We're selling a girlfriend or spouse or, you know, on, on where to go to dinner, you know Uh, you got to give reason. And so thinking, well, the best salespeople, at least in print are are copywriters. And so being able to take those ideas and, and selling, you know, one of the things that you and I love to talk about is some of the really social good that copywriting has done. I, I sent you that, that ad about, you don't have to be Jewish to eat Levy's rye bread or something like that. And that there was a whole article about how that that ad actually brought so much acceptance of Jews into the mainstream of American life. There was a lot of anti-Semitism. That ad actually helped connect people, help bring, bring people closer together. And it was just this beautiful one liner. So uh, there's a lot of good that can come from effective salesmanship in print. And that's I try to do that.
1: Okay, that's good. Let, let's go back to your professional practice, even beyond your own congregation. You know, when, when you're writing books and, and when you're speaking at churches, how do you use copywriting principles there?
2: Well, I think, especially in churches, you know, I am not Christian. So I'm speaking to an audience that, you know, we don't share sort of some of the fundamental uh, beliefs that bring people to that audience. So I immediately try to create common ground. I immediately try to, you know, get somewhere where we're in common. And I say, you know, in some ways, that's Jesus. I often think of Jesus as a bridge, not a barrier, not, you know, because Jesus was Jewish. So I kind of start by saying, you know, in some ways, I know that your goal being in the church is to grow closer to Jesus. That's your that's, you know, to, to, to love Jesus more, to grow closer. In order to do that, you want to understand who Jesus was and lived. And Jesus was Jewish. So I'm here to teach you about that Jewishness so that, you're, so that you can meet your goal, right? In some ways, as a copywriter, you're helping people meet their goals, right? They, they want to lose weight. They want to make money, whatever. I mean, those are the simple ones. And so you want to grow closer to Jesus? I'm here to help teach you about who Jesus was. And are people
1: receptive to that or are they suspicious? Do you have a problem with Kindle books? I do. Sometimes I really just want to hold a book in my hand so I can turn the pages and highlight stuff and make notes. That's one reason I recently released the print version of my book, Breakthrough Copywriting. And listen to this. On Facebook, I've gotten pictures posted from around the world. Pictures of people holding their printed copy of Breakthrough Copywriting in their hands, including one from an A-list screenwriter and marketer in LA's famous Topanga Canyon. He was reading the book in his hot tub. Breakthrough Copywriting is a great book for you, whether you are a beginner or an A-lister yourself or anywhere in between. It costs a tiny, tiny fraction of my $5,000 ahead head seminar that the book is based on. So check out Breakthrough Copywriting on Amazon.com. Now back to the show.
2: That's such a good question. I, I think in some ways, I have the credibility because I've written books on it and I've spoken at churches before. I think when I first started, I kind of had to earn that credibility, and I think that credibility comes from quoting gospels. I showed them that I understood, you know, where they're coming from, and I, in some ways, being honest. Look, I'm not Christian; I'm a rabbi. That actually, so this is subscri- that that's the credibility builder, just like in copy when you say this person has an MD from X place or has made this. You know, uh, I I had to show them that I had some credibility in the Christian community. Endorsements for my books, that brought me some credibility. I remember working really hard for those. And I got some kind of big name theologians who, oh, he endorsed Rabbi Moffick? Okay, I can take him seriously, you know? So yeah, that was, in fact, one of them, one of my early endorsements was from a guy named Eugene Peterson, who's actually really interesting, not a copywriter by any means, but what he did and what he was famous for Is he took the bible and he translated it into modern idiom he used Hmm. the translations called the message and he said you know we don't need these formal king james type translations let's speak how real people speak and that his translation sold millions and so that actually is kind of a simple copywriting principle in some
1: ways It, it it is exactly i mean you know this is this is all my fight i not, not in the religious sense, but in a, everything kind of turns into a religion these days in a way. And I was working with a, a client I, I very much like and admire and, and he wanted to do something that was just too ornate and fancy and distracting from the sales message on a project we're working on. And I said, and, and it turned out he had sold real estate in Maine. Waterfront lots in Maine and earlier in his career. And I said, you know, after, after you finished um, showing them the land and you'd sit down in a coffee shop, you know, would you have, when you went into the coffee shop, would, would you have, would you bring in a, a jazz band and, and would you, you know, show them your resume and, and start, um, pulling pictures and stuff, or would you just sit there and talk to them? And it's funny how, as we become more. Him. What's that? Did it did. It, it clicked, clicked for him. me. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I, I thought when I snapped my finger, that would be it. But of course, people listening wouldn't get. Yeah. And it's funny how as we become, you know, more sophisticated and more specialized in our particular niche, we tend to forget the basics of including basics that we use every day when we're not trying to be on and look professional professional and be perfect and be the smartest guy in the room, you know, and it sounds like you have taken that way of thinking into many aspects of your life. Is that true?
2: Yeah, I try. I try. You know, I think that sometimes we, sometimes I have to play a role, you know, that let's say at a funeral, in some ways, I, I'm i open with emotions but also, I have to remember that, you know, they're looking for me for some comfort and stability. So it is a very interesting, I mean, one of the great things about a copywriting is that, you know, the different voices, depending on your niche, right? Who, how are you writing? And so in some ways, I, I, I think about that as a rabbi. You know, I'm going into a wedding. That persona is a little bit different than if I'm going into a funeral or if I'm going into talking with the kids. Right. So in some ways I kind of think what's the voice I want to convey always being authentic. You know, I can't, I mean, as you taught me, you know, people can, can sense BS copywriting pretty quickly. You know, they can kind of, you know, if you're, Oh, and so I can't just BS. Like if I'm going to go talk to the kids, I can't be like, Hey, yo, what's up? You know, try to be someone I'm not, Um, but I can kind of adapt my voice to kind of, you know connect so it's a little bit of an art but but definitely using those some of the principles of your voice to to adapt different situations
1: yeah so what i what i hear you saying is that copywriting what you've learned about copywriting, what you've done with copywriting has en, enlarged and, and filled in your awareness and also your discernment your ability to decide which aspect of yourself, which aspect of your authentic self to present and to communicate, to get to a goal, to be
2: effective. And, and that's, that's pretty huge. It is huge. And one of the things I like about copywriting, which may, again, I mean, copywriting acknowledges who we are as human beings. You know, in the rabbinate, there are not clear markers of success. You know, there, there are some people who are going to love me, whatever I say, there's some people are going to hate me for whatever I say, it doesn't matter. You know, it's be, it's just, it is what it is in copywriting. You do have kind of a clear metric of success. How many sales did you get? How many, you know, so in some ways that's actually good because it, I mean, it's sort of capitalism, it, it gives you the, the market decides, the market tells you. And in some ways, the fact that I don't have that market signal, I mean, you. I do, in some broad sense, about membership in a congregation. You know how many, but those. There's so many other factors that affect that. It's very hard to to, to see a market signal based on an article I write. Or, so, in fact, having some clear metrics of success actually, you know, in some ways, it might be healthy to to do a couple copywriting projects. You know, uh, to to get some feedback. So what I'm trying to say is that that was actually comforting to have those metrics of success because in my normal professional life, I don't really have those. I kind of have to rely on my gut in terms of of what resonated and what didn't.
1: Yeah. And those metrics of success sort of getting back, circling back to what you said earlier is is one of the left brain aspects of copywriting. The fact that we have results and and we have measures. So that's pretty interesting.
2: Yeah, it's true. And I mean, right and and good copywriters they have teams right that that can help you know that with with all the analytics and and what really makes sense and i guess you have in some ways there's another example you have to have some respect for the you know you have to have respect for the left brainers if you're a good copywriter has respect for that just like uh You know a good rabbi has respect for for, for the average person you know we're not speaking to torah scholars all the time you know we're speaking to people struggling with real life and so definitely you know it's, it's almost like the real world i think that's probably if you want to summarize what what copywriting forces you to do is to really grapple with real life And i think the kind of like journalists used to do that right Journalists i remember you know journalists used to be you know the guy sitting at the bar having a drink you know getting the real story right i mean now it's you know people find stuff online they do. but it's getting into the real what's really happening and that's what i i guess i really really loved about copywriting love still
0: i just want to say that this whole interview has resonated with me at like a molecular level with my soul uh, copywriting And the lessons that I've had to learn in order to become a great copywriter has completely changed the way that I look at the world. It's changed the way that I interact with people. It's changed my relationships and it's made me a lot of money. But at the same time, the value that I've gotten from understanding how people work and the empathy that I've learned through copywriting that I didn't have before I started copywriting. All of these things that you've talked about today, I, I, I want to say that copywriting should be like something we teach people in school as a personal development tool. But uh, I also am selfishly wanting to keep this knowledge to myself. So I'm kind of split. But man, everything that you guys talked about today, it just hit it, it, it hit me hard right, right in my feels. Well, that's great. Wow.
1: All right. Well, Evan, if people want to find out more from you, and they definitely should after what you said today,
2: uh, you have a Substack, right? Yeah. It's just rabbi.substack.com. And uh, yeah, I got early on Substack. And, and my my tagline is, because everyone needs a rabbi. So <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I do some writing here and there, you know, just on kind of commentary. I, I try to take jewish wisdom and values and apply it to to real struggles today and a lot of what we talked about david so thank you for having me
1: oh you're welcome thanks for being here great guest and really different and definitely useful for everyone who's listening pretty interesting too
0: a good conversation i enjoyed it if you listening right now enjoyed it as well and want to check out more episodes of the podcast copywriterspodcast.com is the place to go and until next time we will catch you later Catch
1: you later. Thanks, Evan. Hey, if you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app so we can get into ears of more listeners. Thank you. This is the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network.